0: So, let's take on three stories. First, the crimes of Donald Trump's lawyer, John Eastman, exposed. Second, Jenny Thomas, the wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Will she or won't she testify? And third, the Department of Justice demands all January 6th committee witness transcripts. Let's unpack it all because justice matters. Hey all, Glenn Kirshner here. So let's take on three quick stories today. First, the crimes of Donald Trump's lawyer, John Eastman exposed. Second, Jenny Thomas, will she or won't she, testify to the January 6th committee, and third, the Department of Justice writes an unusual letter demanding all witness transcripts from the J6 committee. Let's start with the John Eastman story. Here's the headline from The Independent. Trump coup memo author, that's John Eastman, asked for a pardon and lobbied Pence to overturn election after the riot. And that article reads in part, the conservative attorney John Eastman requested a pardon after pushing the plan to change the outcome of the 2020 election despite being aware that the strategy was illegal. Even after the attack on the Capitol, Eastman sent an email to Pence staffers asking that they consider one more relatively minor violation of the law. So not surprisingly, Eastman emailed Trump's personal lawyer Rudy Giuliani to say that he should be on the pardon list if that is still in the works. So John Eastman knew that his coup plan violated the law, emailed something to Pence's team, even after the riot, saying, you know what, in for a penny, in for a pound, my characterization. You already violated the law, so why don't you just violate one little additional provision so we can install Donald Trump unconstitutionally for a second term. And then, of course, knowing he committed crimes, he asked to be on the pardon list. All I'm going to say about John Eastman is that if there's any justice left in America, he will very soon be a guest of the Federal Bureau of Prisons. Let's turn to Ginny Thomas, wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Here's the headline from MSNBC News. Embroiled in controversy, Ginny Thomas agrees to January 6th testimony. That article reads in part, Virginia Thomas urged White House chief to pursue unrelenting efforts to overturn the 2020 election, texts show. Now, friends, I'm not a betting man, and I'm certainly not a high roller. One dollar is my betting limit. I would bet a buck that there is no way Ginny Thomas is gonna testify to the J6 committee or anywhere else. We'll probably hear lots about how she has scheduling conflicts that you know precludes her from appearing before the J6 committee after she popped off and said sure I'll testify and clear up misperceptions you know why she won't testify because she would be cross-examined at length by really accomplished former federal prosecutors that make up the January 6th Select Committee investigative team. They would ask her questions about, among other things, texts she sent to Mark Meadows. Miss Thomas, I'd like to direct your attention to a text you sent from your cell phone, and then they would recite the number and confirm with her. That is your cell phone number, Miss Thomas, am I correct? A message you sent from your cell phone to the cell phone of the Chief of Staff for the United States of America, Mark Meadows, urging him to do everything he could to overturn Joe Biden's win, and install Donald Trump for a second term contrary to the expressed will of the American voters. Read along with me if you would. We've provided you a copy of your own text. You said that for among other reasons, Mark Meadows should fight like all get out to overturn the election's results because, quote, Biden crime family and ballot fraud co-conspirators, elected officials, bureaucrats, social media censorship mongers, fake stream media reporters, etc., all those people, are being arrested and detained for ballot fraud right now. And over coming days, and will be living in barges off Gitmo to face military tribunals for sedition. Ms. Thomas, those were some of the facts you offered in support of your campaign to convince the Chief of Staff to the President of the United States to overturn the elections results, and every word in there was false. It was a lie. None of that was true. None of that was happening. But that was some of your justification. All of these people were being held in barges off of Gitmo, awaiting their military tribunals for sedition. So, you know, you better go ahead and overturn the election. Now let's talk about every other text message or phone conversation you ever had with Chief of Staff Meadows. By the way, how did you get his number? How often have you been communicating with him? Have you talked about pending Supreme Court cases? Now let's talk about the conversations you had with your hubby, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Yeah, Ginny Thomas will not be testifying. That's like one area of inquiry of a thousand areas of inquiry that prosecutors would, former prosecutors who are now J6 committee investigators, would um, would ask Jenny Thomas. Not happening. So, let's finish with the story about the Department of Justice writing a letter to the January 6th select committee demanding all thousand plus transcripts, copies of those transcripts, of the witnesses who have testified to the J6 committee. The letter dated June 15, 2022, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but very briefly, here's the thrust of what the DOJ is demanding. It is now readily apparent that the interviews the select committee conducted are not just potentially relevant to our overall criminal investigations, but are likely relevant to specific prosecutions that have already commenced. Given this overlap, it is critical that the select committee provide us with copies of the transcripts of all its witness interviews. Now, there's a little bit of good news, breaking news. The New York Times just published a piece saying it looks like the Department of Justice and the J6 committee have smoothed over their problems and the transcripts will soon be going from the J6 committee over to the Department of Justice. Here is the breaking headline in the New York Times. January 6th panel could start sharing transcripts with Justice Department as soon as July. That's good news, because the quicker all of this evidence can be given over to the Department of Justice and presented to the grand jury, the sooner, hopefully, we can expect indictments. But let's talk about why DOJ wrote this somewhat unusual letter in the first place. It's really pretty simple. Ever since January 6th, The Department of Justice has been investigating the crimes at the Capitol and beyond. And they've been presenting witnesses to the grand jury, but because the grand jury proceeding is secret by law, no one knows what witnesses have appeared before the grand jury. We're beginning to learn which witnesses have appeared before the January 6th select committee, because we're now in the public hearings phase, and we're seeing some of these witnesses testify live. We're seeing the the videotaped testimony of some of these witnesses, but the J6 committee doesn't know precisely what witnesses or all of the witnesses who have appeared in the grand jury. And the grand jury presentation is really important because prosecutors want to be confident that if let's just say witness number one testified before the grand jury and laid out all of the crimes of Donald Trump, and the DOJ is going to use that testimony and obviously other evidence and testimony from other witnesses to indict Donald Trump, they have to be really comfortable and confident that they got the whole story from W-1. What if W-1 also testified to the J-6 committee under oath for hours? Well, the Department of Justice would want to make sure that there are no inconsistencies in W-1's testimony So they really want to get their hands on the transcript of W-1's testimony from the J6 committee so they can compare it to what W-1 told the grand jury and supplement it if necessary or work through any potential inconsistencies before they decide to go final and ask the grand jury to return indictments against Trump and his co-conspirators. So it makes perfect sense that they would want all those transcripts. Also, there's this thing called Brady, and we gotta go to Team Justice Law School class for just just two minutes, so please bear with me, friends. Hang in there. There is a Supreme Court case, Brady versus Maryland, and it stands for the proposition that if the government has exculpatory information, that is, information that could be helpful to the defendant that we're prosecuting, it could help exonerate them, or it could be relevant to their sentence, maybe reduce their sentence if the government had evidence that impacted the sentence of the person that was being prosecuted or sentenced. We have a constitutional obligation to get that evidence and give it to the defense so they can use it in their defense at trial or at their sentencing hearing. Now, I don't wanna go too down too far down into the criminal justice weeds, but that Brady doctrine, that responsibility of the government to give that kind of evidence over to the defense, it really only operates within the executive branch, that is the Department of Justice, the FBI, the law enforcement agencies, the prosecutors. It doesn't really cross co-equal branch of government lines. So there are actually cases that say, well, if there's really good exculpatory, helpful information over here being held by Congress, Technically, that information is not in the possession of the executive branch, the prosecutors, the law enforcement agencies. So they don't really have an obligation, a constitutional obligation, to get it and give it to the defense. But you know what? I don't think our federal government writ large should hang its hat on that kind of detail. I think once the Department of Justice became aware that there are Witnesses over here that testified to the J6 committee who said stuff that's relevant to ongoing prosecutions or future prosecutions, particularly if it's helpful to the defendant, well, then I think the executive branch, the Department of Justice, the federal prosecutors should do everything they can to collect it up and use it affirmatively in the grand jury if it helps them, but give it to the defendants so they can defend themselves because Let's be clear on one thing. Even Proud Boys and Oath Keepers and insurrectionists have a right to a full and fair defense. And if it means the government making sure it grabs hold of helpful information and they disclose it in the spirit, if not the letter, of the Brady case, then we should be doing it. That was a long, deep-dive explanation, so I hope you're still with me because I'm going to finish up now, friends. So, there are lots of reasons that DOJ wanted these transcripts, and it looks like they will get them as early as July, just around the corner. But I want to finish with one sentence that kind of irks me because, you know, I can't be all pro DOJ or all anti DOJ. I have to call it the way I see it, and there's something in this letter that I saw that irked me, and it's this sentence. The select committee's failure to grant the department access to these transcripts complicates the department's ability to investigate and prosecute those who engaged in criminal conduct in relation to the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Okay, I'm going to knock the OJ down a peg or two for this one, for choosing that language, you know. Your failure, J-6 Committee, to give us what we're demanding is hampering our efforts to prosecute people in a timely fashion. Could Congress, could the J-6 Committee have come back and said, "Um, what about the criminal referrals of Mark Meadows and Dan Scavino? You could have prosecuted those in a timely fashion. Indeed, Congress was the victim of that contempt of Congress. Or how about bringing charges against some of the command structure of the insurrection in a timely manner, because they're out there doing it again, Trump and company, arguably recruiting a second batch of insurrectionists, maybe give it another go. So let's not be all high and mighty. Yes, I have been saying, and you've seen me try to balance my frustration with the need for patience. I've been saying all along, DOJ has not moved as quickly as it should have, given the urgency of the moment. Given that our democracy remains in peril every day, and things are getting worse, not better. Until, Unless and until indictments begin coming down, things will continue to be uh, very challenging for our democracy. So you know, I was not thrilled to see that kind of language and that kind of accusation. You failed to do what we're demanding so we can indict people in a prompt manner. Mm. Okay, all right, I'm gonna move away from that now. I think I've made my point. But you know, this letter and the back and forth between the executive branch and the legislative branch, between the Department of Justice and the J6 Committee, I actually see as sort of healthy Um, flexing of co-equal branch of government muscle. That's what they're saying. Benny Thompson said, thank you very much. We've worked our tail off to get these thousand plus witnesses in to testify and subpoena countless documents and now we're mid-presentation to the American people of what we've found. So I appreciate this is now an emergency to you, but we are a co-equal branch of government. I'm actually a little surprised, friends, that Benny Thompson didn't await a DOJ subpoena. It looks like they've worked through accommodation, which is a a buzzword when it comes to the co-equal branches of government trying to work together for the common good to reach solutions that both branches could live with. Looks like they have reached one, and they'll be giving over transcripts as early as July. So I think it's good that they have worked through the accommodation process, and they're going to give the Department of Justice what it needs to move forward in its investigations and with its indictments and with its pending prosecutions by giving them access to all of the information that the January 6th committee has developed. And my hats off to Representative Benny Thompson and Representative Liz Cheney and all of the members of the committee and their investigative staff for doing the extraordinarily hard work that they have been doing since the J6 committee was impaneled Um, and ultimately I'm glad they reached this accommodation and I think I know why they reached this accommodation because justice matters stay tuned friends please stay safe and I look forward to talking with you all again tomorrow